This is the, the, youth, the down youth Down South, South, South Podcast. The Youth Down South Podcast, a show for youth leaders and young adults. Hello, everybody. This is Caleb Loudon. This is oh. Jesse Fagerstrom. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Jesse, what a spooky intro you gave us there. Caleb wow. Loudon, it is Halloween. <laughs> And you're not excited at all about it. Wow. I'm uh, in my costume, ready for some candy, ready to uh, attack my neighbors with verve and vigor for the last Twizzler. To to pose to them a question, a very serious (laughs) question, is this a trick or is this a treat? And I'm hoping it's the latter. Yeah. And often it is, although sometimes, you know, we went trick-or-treating last year. And some of the people in the neighborhood took the trick thing a little too seriously, oh. especially when you have three-year-olds roaming around <laughs> looking for candy, and then all of a sudden a skeleton pops out of Yikes. nowhere. So yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you may want to turn, you know, just yeah. tone that down. T- a little tone bit. it down and a little bit. We're just here to get some treats, not to traumatize our kids. <laughs> okay, so Caleb, you know, a lot of people uh, maybe don't celebrate, or they they don't they don't they don't yeah. think of this thing as a thing that they should. Well, that they should celebrate. So, I mean, yeah. What are the like? Who even knows where Halloween came from? Well, so here's really? the thing. I wondered if in this little intro segment we could just do a quick little Google search. Can we just see if there is any anything of interest to share about the history of Halloween? Absolutely. Let's. I'll just let me type something in here real quick. Let, maybe you can get a little bit of this, this audio, Chris, as I search here. <laughs> okay, and enter. And uh, punching that in the old Google machine. Oh, here, this looks to be a, a reputable source here. Okay. It's, uh, sub, I don't know, you ever heard of uh, Wikipedia? Something? <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, boy. And right here, the very first section on the history of All Hallows' Eve. Okay. Halloween. Hit me. Is the Christian origins and historic customs. Oh, and, all right. Uh, yeah, so, look, we're, do, we're doing this live, folks. Fresh, I fresh off the grill. Very much did not already have this website pulled up <laughs> on my computer, uh, but uh, it says here that um, since the time of early the early church, major feasts in Christianity, such as Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost, ever heard of those? Oh. I think so. Had vigils that began the night before, as did the feast of All Hallows. Whoa! So, okay, okay, okay. So some of us may not know that November first. Is all is not all Hallows Eve? That's no, October thirty first. Correct. November first is All Saints Day, where we remember Christians who have now entered glory, who wow. have passed away, and so you would have before that this vigil. Now, I'm just going to relay to you what I've heard. Okay, sure. all right. Through this the is case. the Through word the on the fine. street. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> a little popular history right now that one of the th- things that became a custom on All Hallows' Eve was to dress as a deceased saint. And so now, not denying that there probably are some other like pagan things going on on this day. That were maybe either added in later or... Or or, maybe even, maybe the church kind of co-opted. Gotcha. That's something that we have often seen. Like even with, um, you know, Christmas being on December 25th, there was another festival before... Christmas became on December, and then the church came along and said, nope, we're going to put Christmas here. Yep. Um, so, you know, you dress up like a deceased saint, you know? Like, you want to be, uh, you know, let's let's be, uh, you know, maybe a saint that was beheaded. And so you carry around the beheaded head with you. 
to be a terrifying saint on this most holy of days. Huh. Um, it's not the most holy of days, but you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Fascinating. And so maybe from that then. Sure. Um, and I'm not saying there's any validity to any of what I've said because I'm speaking outside of my depth. <laughs> okay. But I do that all the time. So sure. why not on this subject? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Not all that, you know, it's maybe not the most important. So, wow. Yeah. Well, Fascinating. It, I mean, there is this thing of All Hallows Eve that happens before um, All Saints Day. Right. And so you could see how, you know, there was a Christian thing that was happening on this day. And then over time, as with so many other things, it was commercialized. Right. And became something somewhat different. But, friends, let's celebrate this vigil. That's right. The night before All Saints Day. Absolutely. Remember those who've come before us on whose shoulders we stand. Dress up like your favorite saint. For You know, be St. Patrick. Don't wait till St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Go ahead and get your, your three-leaf <laughs> three clovers out now, okay? Or be, you know, uh, St. Bartholomew. Yeah. Or uh, St. Peter or, you know, whoever you want to be, okay? Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. St. Athanasius well, or you know, St. Clement or isn't, yeah. Isn't Halloween also a really important day for you and your family too? Well, Jesse, I'm so happy you said that right. because it is one of the most important days, one of the holiest days of the year. <laughs> the birth of my angel. Oh. My sweetheart. <laughs> my baby girl, Caroline. <laughs> I, oh, I love her so much. I love that so much. Can I just say what a partay well, she is going to have each year celebrating on Halloween for her birthday. She gets to dress up. She gets to get candy. Yes. It's just a party. As we like to say, she was born on the sweetest day of the year. Oh, yeah. Caleb Lowe. Although at the time, like on the day of her birth, what a Halloween that was. I, well, oh, wow. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Rooney. You talk about spooky. Yikes. Well, anyway, moving <laughs> moving swiftly forward. <laughs> well, anyway, hey, so I actually got to talk to the wonderful, the excellent, yes. the beautiful Kendall Loudon. Oh, well, yeah. Speaking of uh, yeah, my for daughter's this episode. birth. Yeah, yeah. She was pretty instrumental in that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad you got to talk with her yep. and to talk to her about what she is an expert in. Right. I mean, she is licensed in this, yep. which is in mental health. She's a licensed uh, clinical therapist, and we we, th we thought, you know, I just think the world of her and her abilities in that, and who better than to talk to about mental health? Well, and this episode means a lot to me because mm. if you know my story, I have had some challenges in this in this yeah. area with mental health, and so I think it's just really important to shine a light on it. Um, you know, especially as we are entering into the holiday season, which you know, data does show that folks have more difficulty with things such as depression, anxiety, even um, incidences of suicide go up yeah, in the holiday absolutely. season. So I just think it's important for all of us, even if this isn't something that a certain listener deals with, just for them to be aware mm -hmm. of of um, how they can support others, even just in ministry at their core, how they can support people who are struggling um, in this, in this time of year. But I'm really excited uh, to share this with our listeners. I think it's very important. Definitely. Let's take a listen. I notice. I'm noticing something about you. And I just wonder, is this something that you experience too? 
that you are, you know, maybe wanting to talk to me about. And maybe not me, but maybe somebody else. And you can leave that door open. You're not alone. One in five adults in the U.S. experience a mental health challenge within a given year. Hey there, listeners. Today, I am sitting with Miss Kendall Loudon. How are you doing, Kendall? I'm doing well, Jesse. Oh, I'm so happy that we finally got you on the podcast and to talk about something that is very close to your heart mm-hmm. and very important. So today, we are talking about mental health. Um, but before we jump into that, I'm wondering, could you just tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a wife first, and yes. I'm also a mother oh. of two, and I'm... Atlanta native, I guess you could say. I was born in Atlanta. Nice. Lived a lot of other places growing up, and that's because my parents uh, were officers in the Salvation Army. Still are, actually. So that's a big part of my life, definitely, the culture of the Salvation Army. Um, And then I'm also a licensed psychotherapist here in Georgia. Wow, amazing. And so can you just tell tell me, because I literally don't know, is how do you become a psychotherapist? Like, what did you have to do? I mean, I'm guessing a lot of schooling is involved, but how'd you, how'd you yes. do it? Yes. Um, so to be a licensed professional counselor, right. you would need a bachelor's degree okay. first, right. and then you would need a master's degree. Okay. And then with each license... Um, they have specific hours of what we kind of call practicum, okay. which is practicing right. counseling. Wow. And in that, you have a professional supervisor that already holds the license that you're going for. They help you along. You get your hours. Then there's a lot of paperwork involved, and you get kind of checked out and make sure you'd be someone who would be uh, healthy in yeah. the healthcare field. And then you get a license. Wow. Yeah. So Amazing. all in all— um, probably for me, if you count undergrad as well, about a nine-year process. Wow. Wow. And have you always wanted to do that? Was that always the work that you were hoping for? That's a good question. I always felt called to people. Mm-hmm. So I really liked anthropology and undergrad and missions work and kind of um, nonprofit work. Cool. But then the Lord really just made it very clear I was looking at degree work programs for Asbury Theological Seminary, which I was going to go to, and I saw marriage and family counseling. Mm. I could have chosen a lot of different things, yeah, actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Lord just said, I, that's what I want for you. Wow. And I was used to kind of mentoring younger girls and, and whatnot growing up. And He just said, yeah, this is for you. And I had a mentor who was already in the field as well, um, who is my partner in our work. So that probably had some influence as well. And yeah, just felt confirmed and called to that work at that time. Well, the reason that we brought you on the podcast today is to talk a little bit about mental health and what it can mean for young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe we can start off by just kind of defining mental health and kind of like, what is it and how does society view it? Mm-hmm. Um, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. It's a great question. So it, mental health is just like physical health. Mm-hmm. So it's a condition. Um, in particular, it would deal with your Um, kind of psychological health, your emotional health, and even your social, uh, kind of like we call well-being, 
So that's kind of the definition of it. Um, It can um, change over time based off the demand in your life and how much support you might have. Also, um, biological factors. There's a lot of reasons and ways that make up why someone's mental health might be um, stronger than others at a given time. So it changes over time. And then how society views it, uh, thank you for asking about that. I would say that there is stigma involved in mental health, right? And the way we bust stigma is by talking about it. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a stigma-busting thing that we're doing right now, right. talking to your listeners. So the interesting thing about stigma is that word actually comes from the ancient Greece um, language. Oh. Oh, wow. And it was a, a branding of sorts for slaves wow. and criminals. So even stigma itself is a word that is rooted huh. in something the people that are are criminals even or, wow. or slavery. So huh. today, I think that that can mean um, that people think that those who struggle with mental health challenges are um, different than or they struggle more than other people. And um, that is not always true. Um, so a way we kind of bust stigma is by talking about it, getting educated about it, right? Which is what you're doing right now, listening to this podcast. Um, and then also talking about your own mental health. Well, so I'm a young adult. I'm listening to this podcast. Uh you know, why is it important for me to pay any attention to? Why is it important for me to understand mental health, either for myself or those around me? Um, like, why is why is it important for me to know about it or mm-hmm. to give it any, any thought? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. Ideally, we're thinking about mental health just as we would any other health category in life. So physical health or your oral health. So you might go to the dentist once every six months. Um, we're thinking about mental health just like that. And so just as you tend to your physical health, you want to tend to your mental health as well. The more we talk about it, the more we say, yeah, I struggle too, or here's this challenge that I have, or actually I have this disorder, but I don't really struggle from it anymore because I got treatment. We need to be talking about mental health just as we would, I broke my arm, here's this cast. And you can see that I have this cast and that's really obvious to you. So then I get empathy and people help me with the door and people help me because they know I am debilitated in some way. Well, mental health, you can't see that, right? So we need to be talking about it and that's stigma reducing and that's why it's important to talk about it because um, the more you feel uh, isolated, the harder it is to speak up and get help. Mm, that's so interesting because it's true. It's it's all in your mind, right? There's no physical manifestation of of sickness necessarily. So we have a difference in our field, signs versus symptoms. Okay. So signs are more obvious. Symptoms are what you experience. Um, But definitely mental health can affect you physically, Mm. right? Like depression can can very much affect your physical health. You can feel anxiety physically because emotions are in the body. So very much physiologically experienced, which means in your body. They're not as obvious though like a broken arm with a cast, you know. They're not as obvious to other people. Correct. Right. So even though you might be in a deep, dark hole, 
right? Mm-hmm. Other people might just say, well, get it together. Or, yeah. you know, they they might just kind of brush under the rug because they're not seeing it mm-hmm. as you're feeling it. Yeah, right? exactly. All right. Well, can I talk a little bit more specifically about the Salvation Army now? Because I know that you, uh, in your work, you work with uh, people in the Salvation Army. But anything that you can tell us about mental health within the Army and what's being done and maybe how the Army helps those with mental health difficulties? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the Salvation Army is definitely an ally for mental health, for sure. Um, If you are someone who is an employee, an officer's child, or of course an officer yourself, you would have Salvation Army insurance. And with that is an incredible mental health or what we kind of call behavioral health in terms of insurance um, benefit. So if you're someone in that category, the Salvation Army believes in mental health, um, believes in getting treatment, and that would be covered by your insurance. So that's a huge benefit, and that signals we believe in this, we care about this, we believe that you should get treatment for this. So that's one way um, that they that they are doing that. Another way is if you are a candidate in the Salvation Army, our practice, the Linear Practice is, is our name, um, provides coaching for you. So all through, through a 12-month program, you have a coach if you're a candidate in the Salvation Army for officership. Um, and that does provide mental health services. Um, so lots of ways that they say, yes, we believe in this, and here's how we're going to support it. If I'm a young adult and I am struggling, mm-hmm. I know that I am struggling, right, in this mm-hmm. moment— what would you recommend for that person? How can they go about uh, seeking help or, you know, what would you recommend that they do? Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking this question because there are what we call real barriers to care, right? Which are cost, time, um, transportation sometimes, if you or access to internet. There's real uh, barriers to this, but the big one, you know, being cost. Um, sometimes culture can be a huge barrier to this um, when what what we talked about was stigma. But if you're someone who um, has health insurance, the the first route, I would say, is looking at your insurance card. So on the back of your card, you'll have a, a phone number or a website, and you can go to that or call that number, and they will give you a list of providers in a certain radius for you that take your insurance. So that's that's pretty self-explanatory. Another way of, of, of doing that is either Googling certain therapists in your area or um, psychologytoday.com is a great resource, and you can filter uh, by insurance and uh, presenting problem and even faith or gender. Mm. So there's lots of filters there that you can find, okay, this person would be a good fit, and then I would click on a website or give them a call, and you can actually interview a therapist. Wow. People don't know that. Um, any therapist, should you should be able to get to them at some point. Maybe they'll call you back if they're in session. But you can have a 15-minute free consultation. Great. Interview them. You know, ask them, okay, I'm, I have anxiety. How would you treat that? Right. You know, do you have experience treating that? Right. And why I say that is because they're not—a therapist is not like a dentist. You know, you see them once every six months. You you get your care, but you're with them for, what, maybe five minutes, not sure. even. sure. Therapist relationship to the client is extremely important. And actually, we know by research that that's the most important thing 
in um, in full recovery, mm. which you can have full recovery, by the way, in mental health. Wow. And uh, so that relationship's really important. So if you're seeing someone and you don't really fit, but you're like, this is the person that I have, you can fire your therapist. Mm. You could do that. You could say, this isn't working for me, or you could not show up. That's your prerogative. And we're we're used to that. We get that. We want you to find someone who you have a really good fit with. So fight for it. Interview people. See if they have um, you know experience in your particular issue and find someone who's good for you. So yes, I would say that. And then if you don't have insurance, then I would um, Google community mental health resources in your area or something called sliding fee counseling. And what they're going to do is look at your salary and then provide a fee for you that would be equivalent to what is uh, like appropriate for your salary. Oh, interesting. What if I'm a young adult and I know someone in my life mm-hmm. who is struggling? You know, what is a way that I can go about helping them in a way that maybe doesn't attack them or yeah. make them feel less than? How can I do that? I notice. I'm noticing something about you. Yeah. And I just wonder, is this something that uh, you experience too? That you are, you know, maybe wanting to talk to to me about? And maybe not me, but maybe somebody else. And you can leave that door open. And actually, this is um, is a way of providing what we call mental health first aid. So in our practice, we provide mental health first aid certification. So just like you would get a physical first aid you know, certification or CPR certification, you can have mental health first aid. And interestingly, uh, there is an adult mental health first aid. We train folks that are going to be working with adults. And then there's actually a youth mental health first aid which is training adults who work with the youth population. So that's um, going to be a little bit different than the adult based off of the adolescents and the youth and their development and how to give them resources. So there's two different distinctions there in the certification. And you can do that. The fear I think people have is, won't that make it worse? Or won't that be so uncomfortable for me to say something? But I can guarantee the person that you are saying something to would love for someone to notice, would say, gosh, actually, I'm not doing that my greatest. And and thanks for saying something. Yeah, yeah. Or they may not want help, right? There's there's a reality to that. There's a sure. spectrum of, of, of what they might respond. But if they're really struggling, it's like, it's like you know, a gentle nudge in the right direction of, like, I see something. This is, you're not alone in this. I'm with you. I'm going to stay with you until full recovery. Because it's possible. Not only possible, it's probable with the proper help. Yeah. So yeah, I see something. I'm noticing something. I'm here for you. You know, I'd, I've, I've experienced that too in my life. Here's what I did, you know. And then I, I want to speak directly to our youth workers who listen mm-hmm. to this podcast, who of course are working with folks, or young people from the community, mm-hmm. who they themselves may be having these difficulties. And um, I'm curious... You know, in in a situation like that where they're working in the community with people who are not their own, as in they're not their own children or they're not their own family, mm-hmm. um, would you say the same goes for them? That that's how you would approach it, even for someone kind of in the community that they're interacting with. So you can follow similar 
guidelines, so to speak, of I'm noticing something, I see a sign or a symptom that you might be experiencing. I'm curious about that. I'm here for you if you need it. And depending on the developmental stage that that uh, child or adolescent might be in, it's probably um, appropriate to bring in their care system. So that would be a caregiver of some sort or, you know, this mentor has been in their life for a lot longer than me. Let me get aid here. Um, if I'm seeing something. So so both and. So noticing, saying something, and then also bringing in some, some aid to be, definitely based off of their age. I, I want to ask this question because I, so I, I struggled with uh, depression and anxiety for quite some time. Um, and, you know, there was medication involved that I had to take. Mm-hmm. And I do know that there's quite a lot of stigma around like mental health medication. So just out of curiosity, you know, when in your opinion is medication uh, something to consider? Mm-hmm. And then kind of from there, you know, I- I'm just, I'm curious about the medication. I'm curious about that element of it because of course that adds a whole nother layer mm-hmm. to the help that they're receiving. Mm-hmm. You have anything to say about that? First of all, thank you for sharing. Um from your lived experience. And medication is one form of treatment for mental health challenges. Obviously, you can't get to medication without having a provider. So if a provider's recommending medication, most likely they are going to be someone who's, first of all, educated. Secondly, who is seeing the demand on you, who's saying, you know what, with this amount of demand, with this amount of symptoms and the severity of these symptoms, I think that medication might be helpful for you. So if, if a provider is saying that you have every right, your prerogative to say, great, thank you, but no thank you. Every right to do that. And I would also say, maybe we need to consider it. If a care provider is saying, you know, if a random person is saying that, no, right? But if a, but a professional is saying that, yeah. we might want to consider it. And you can sit on that. You can sit on that for a couple of weeks. Right. Gosh, let's just check this out. Let's just see how these symptoms, you know, progress or not. Right. And then uh, we, how I kind of um, think about um, looking at what's the severity here. We're looking at duration of symptoms and the amount of distress that you have. So if it's gone on for um, a long period of time and, and it's getting in the way of life or really distressing, then I need to seek some help. Just like you would, you know, if... Um, you had any other physical health symptom. I have migraines. Okay, we talk about migraines all the time. Let's get some help there. Gosh, there's Botox these days. There's medication. Yeah. There's like that earring you can wear. Yeah. I'm not a migraine sufferer, so I don't know. But I, sure. that's what I've seen. You know, there's lots of different things. So with mental health challenges, there's lots of different forms of treatment. One is talk therapy. One is medication. You know, one is what are your community? What's your community doing for you? You know, how can you rally with them? What's culturally appropriate for you at this time? Um, so yes, that's a great question. And that could be one form of treatment and that doesn't have to be forever, right? You can, with your care provider, check in with them. You would, if you're on medication, you would ideally check in with them once you start a medication once a month and then every three months, every six months annually. And that care provider would decide, is this something that I still need? No. And ideally, no, we ideally, no one wants to take medication, right? right? Like, let's be real about that. But um, you know, you wouldn't 
not take pain medicine if you just had surgery, right. you know? Right. Um, it's very similar. If the distress and the duration are high enough to get debilitating, then we need some care. If there is someone listening to this podcast who really doesn't have a community and they don't have someone that they can call upon, is there a, um, a safe way for them to contact you in your practice mm. or contact your practice? Um, is there a way for them to connect mm -hmm. with you specifically? Um, mm -hmm. Is there a safe way to do that? Mm -hmm. Definitely. First, I'll answer that question in a more broad sense. Um, this past July, um, it just became usable, basically. The number 988 okay. is now the um, suicide and emotional distress hotline. So much right. like 911, right, for any of those circumstances, you can dial 988, you can text 988, or you can chat 988. You can even go Google 988 and you'd find their website and lots of different resources. Why I say that is because sometimes people don't have access, like we said, there's barriers to care. So if you are in distress, whether that be um, suicidal ideation or any other emotional distress and you feel like you don't have anyone, please reach out to that number. So that's a national number. You can access someone at any time. So that's a, a great um, new addition, I guess, uh, to our level of support. But then I would say, um, yes, you, you can reach out to, to us. And maybe there's some show notes or something where I can yes, put my email. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yes, we are someone who wants to um, get people to care. And maybe that's local care. Maybe that's telehealth. Um, but yes, we could do that too. Great. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So we'll put that in the show notes. Well, mm -hmm. Kendall, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Any last, any last uh, suggestions or things you might want to share? Anything mm -hmm. else that you have for us today? Yeah, I would just say it's been an it's been an honor to talk about mental health. Um, this is stigma busting, right? This is this is how we do it by talking about it. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, that's what I would say. One in five adults in the U.S. experience a mental health challenge within a given year. Wow. One in five. So wow. <laughs> you're definitely not alone um, in that. And so um, thank you for listening. And yeah, just reach out for help if you need it. Thanks, Kendall. You're welcome. Caleb, I got a riddle for you. Okay. What is happening January 13 through 16, but is not for children and it's not for adults? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, uh, wait, is it um, Territorial Young Adult Conference? Hey, you got it, sir. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do so I get like a prize or something? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Your prize is oh. that you get to come to no the Territorial Young really? Adult Conference. <laughs> it is taking place in Atlanta, Georgia this next year of 2023. And we are so excited. We got some great speakers lined up, some great breakouts. You'll get some great opportunities to bond with your division. And we're just so excited, Caleb. So people need to head on over to our website at youthdownsouth.org and register right away. Oh, I can't wait. 
I'm going to TYAC. Gotta go pack your bag. I gotta go pack. All right. The Young Adult Conference will take place in Atlanta, Georgia from January 13th through 16th. Registration goes live in October, so head to youthdownsouth.org for more information. That's it for this episode of the Youth Down South podcast. For more info about the show, check out youthdownsouth.org.